Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Salway to everyone. Hello. And um, let me uh, tell you, I've been fooling around a little bit with this class. I've been, I've been trying to think of, you know, is there a way I can make even more available to you than what I am? And I was messing around with Bookshare. I don't know if any of you, how many of you have Bookshare or not, but Bookshare has yep. several Latin books on it. And if you have a Braille display, for the most part, it works very well. Uh, one book, please don't get mad at this. I don't mean this to sound the way it's going to sound. But one book that I think is, is really good, I haven't read the whole book yet, but I've looked at some of it. And I think it'll, I'm going to use some of it for our class. And if you have it, you, you know, if you use it, it might help is a book called Latin for Dummies. Um, it's on okay. Bookshare. It's on Bookshare and it's pretty good. It's uh, it might they might say it's for dummies, but it looks like a pretty good book. Pretty interesting book. I would say instead of calling it Latin for dummies, I would call it Latin for beginners or Latin for, you know, uh, amateurs or something like that. But anyway, it's that series, a whole bunch of books for dummies, you know, French for dummies and Spanish for dummies. And um, so I might look at that a little bit and I might, you know, use some things out of it because I think it's got some good stuff in there. So. Another book that is that you might like on Bookshare is called Teach Yourself Latin. Uh, I have not had a chance to look through it totally, but I know that it has exercises and answers. There are answers to everything that's in the book. So you could actually look at it and, uh, you know, check yourself whether you're doing a good job or not. The best Latin book on there, however, is one that I find rather inaccessible in Bookshare, and that's Wheelock's Latin. Um, there's two versions of it on Bookshare. One version is the BRF version. And when you, now, Jane, you might know a lot more about this than I do, but when I bring the BRF version up, and Robin, Robin had a very good suggestion. She suggested that I use UEB because that's probably what it was intended to be used with. Uh, and it's better with UEB. It's, it's much better than it was with... Uh, you know, uh, textbook Braille or whatever that other system is. But even with UEB, the long marks look horrible. And if you didn't know Latin, you probably would have trouble dealing with it. Um, they have a, what do you call it? Um, uh, what's that word? Daisy. They have a Daisy version of it also, but I can't get that one to come up at all. When I try to open that, when I get all these folders with schmills and stuff like that in there. So I don't know how to get that one to come up. I have well, it, but I can't you, get it to come up. With, with, with any Bookshare book, can't you also get a doc file? I don't know. They, I don't know. It, it's, not li it's not listed. This is Chanel. Yes. I raised my hand, so I don't know if it's appropriate to interrupt. Yeah, you I can, and my host, and, and uh, uh, Katie, if you see a hand raised, just always stop me, whatever I'm doing. And, you know, okay, Gary, thank you. Thanks. I yeah, thought. I just wanted to give you, so on Bookshare, the way to deal with a DAISY file is you're going to look for the one that's the name of the book.xml, and then you're going to rename it to htm, and um It'll give you a little throw a little fit, but then you'll be able to open it in your web browser, no problem. And you can download in docs. Um, I guess I, I don't know why that wouldn't be listed, but um, I don't, and I don't know what, 
the, the Braille's only going to be as good as the translation program because nobody actually goes through, you know, it's just, that's like what I've done with these notes. I've just fed them through a translation right. but program the other called books Braille Blaster. The other books are good. Okay. Like, uh, like these other books I'm downloading. Even Wheelock's Reader is this? good. Well, okay. How do you spell what? Wheelock's, you said it was called Wheelock's It's Latin? called Wheelock's Latin 7th edition. It's W-H-E-E-L-O-C-K apostrophe S. Okay. The pro the okay, so so I'll tell you what the trouble is. Gary. I think I'm using a braille display to download these and they only give me docs and daisy. And so if, if I do it from the computer, you think I'll get more types that I can pick from if I try to download it with the computer. Maybe so. Yes. And you said yes. you you said pick the X. What did you say? say that to me? again? So once you download the Daisy, once you download. So I guess if it's automatically downloading on your Braille display, but if you wanted to view it on your computer, then if and you downloaded the Daisy, you would find the actual name of the book. And then it's a dot XML file and you rename it to HTM and then it will open in your preferred web browser. <gasps> but that's Eric, if you're on. The, I mean, yeah, sorry. Greg has his hand up. Yes. Go ahead, Greg. Yeah, uh, I was going to say use Voice Stream Reader for the Voice Stream Reader. You just go to add and you can go put Bookshare in it. It'll download the Bookshare books just fine. And once if you get them you in use there, what you now? Do you mean in the Voice Stream Reader? Oh, Voice Stream. Voice Stream. Yeah. Okay, I got Voice Stream. Voice it's on your phone. It's on your yeah. phone and it'll download. Just you add and go to Bookshare and it'll download it right there. Should work just fine. But then how do I get it in Braille? Can I get, can I, uh, how, do I how can I display it using a Braille display? I That's guess I could hook up to my phone, couldn't I? Yes. Yeah. Now the, Kindle, so your the Kindle uh, version of Wheelock works pretty well, except that the numbers don't come out. The sentence numbers, uh, they, they are some funky thing. that. Anyway, I'm going to try this bookshare thing again. Uh, I'll see what I can do with that. That's, that's worth a try. Uh, that's worth a try. But anyway, look at bookshare and see what you can see uh, if you want to. Uh, if you want to, you don't have to, because we're not going to go to one book right now. We're going to keep fooling around. Like, as long as you guys like what I'm doing, we're going to keep doing it. But uh, anyway, it's something to look at. And I am going to look at this Latin for dummies, because I think you would find some things in there interesting. Uh, and so we may just uh, look at that a little bit. But today, I thought we would do some new phrases, three new phrases today. And one of them we've talked about a little bit before, and that is Kawe Kanem. Kawe Kanem, C-A-V-E space C-A-N-E-M. Anyone know what that means? Beware of dog. Beware of the dog. That is the equivalent of the Roman burglar alarms. Okay, obviously they didn't have, uh, you know, whatever kind of burglar. What, what's that burglar alarm service everybody uses? Uh, I can't think of the initials. Anyway, they didn't have that. So mm -hmm. they would oftentimes put a sign out in front of their house that would say, beware of the dog. And the idea is if you try to break into my house, you're going to have a dog to deal with. Even if they didn't have a dog, they would sometimes <laughs> put that sign out to get people not to break in. Now, they also had another thing in their houses a lot of times, especially if you were fairly wealthy. You had a guy that sat all day and all night. All right, you probably changed them at, you know, at some point. But you had a guy whose job was to sit inside that door and guard that door. And if someone knocked, he was to open it. And if he thought you wanted to see them, he would let them in. If someone came, got ready to go out, he'd escort them out. And he was called 
Ayanitor, I-A-N-I-T-O-R, which means a doorkeeper. And that's where we get the word janitor. Janitor. Yep. Uh-huh. A janitor is a doorkeeper, really. Uh-huh. But uh, this, this Kawai Kanem, a lot of, you'd see a lot of Kawai Kanem signs. If you walked around Rome, you would, you would see that, uh, whether or not they actually had a dog. The second phrase is one you hear in English all the time, and you probably didn't even know it was a, a Latin phrase, and that is cum grano salis. Cum grano salis. Anybody want to guess what that means? With a grain of salt. Yep, with yep. a grain of salt. That's exactly right. Now, I thought it was interesting. What does that phrase mean in English when you say, I took it with a grain of salt? I you didn't doubt believe it. it. Right. You didn't really believe it. You didn't take it seriously. You doubted it. Uh, I I thought the um, origin of that of that word was that phrase was interesting, although I don't know that I understand exactly uh, how they got it. But a guy named Pliny, the elder who was a scientist, sort of was writing about how what do you do if you get poisoned? Is there an antidote you can take for the poison? And uh, and the. uh, what he wrote was take it with a grain of salt. So the idea I think is this anecdote for poison is, is kind of a gr- with take it with a grain of salt. Actually, I think he meant take a grain of salt for right. the poison. And of course it, it didn't work too well, I guess. So anyway, cum grano salis. And the last cum one is salt. another one that you might've seen in a book. I, I read it. I saw it in a mystery book. The first time I ever saw it as a mystery. Someone said it. And that's the phrase that goes de mortuis nihil nisi bonum. De mortuis, that's M-O-R-T-U-I-S, de mortuis nihil nisi bonum, which means say nothing but good of the dead. Say nothing but good of the dead. And by the way, I've seen that phrase written both de mortuis nihil nisi bonum. I've also seen nihil de mortuis nisi bonum. So, and there's the word for say is not even in there. It's in parentheses. It really just says nothing but good about the dead, meaning that it, you shouldn't talk bad about a dead person. Uh, that's kind of unfortunate because I'm writing a book right now about my second grade teacher, and I'm saying a lot of bad stuff about her, and she's so uh, good. And <laughs> she, so I don't know if uh, what'll yeah. happen to that. Yeah. Anyway. She deserved uh, it. Yeah, she kind of did actually. She did. Uh, she did. I Let's just know who you're talking about, too. Yes, you do, oh. and you didn't care too much for her either. I no. know. <laughs> when those of us SB know who you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. In fact, I dare say if I went into a room full of people and just said my second grade teacher every, and that I didn't like, everybody would guess who I met. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Any, anyway, uh, let's review. How do we say for the sake of honor? That is, in order to honor. What's the Latin phrase for that? Does anybody remember? Uh, yep, honoris calsa. Remember, if you're going to get if you're going to get a doctor's degree, uh, if you're going to give a doctor's degree, if you're going to get it, it might be honoris causa for the sake of honor, meaning you didn't really earn a doctor's degree, but you did something that made people think you should have one. And so mm. they gave you one. All uh-huh. right. Posunt quia pose videntur. Anybody remember what that means? Posunt. They can because they think they can. They can because they think they can. That's our friend Virgil that wrote that. And then we have our one about the Beatles. Post hoke, ergo propter hoke. Because of this, then 
that happened. <laughs> right. Well, after this, therefore, because of this, meaning, well, something that happened after it, it was because of it. And that might not be true, but it might be. We don't know. So, all right. Good enough. Now, can anyone, can anyone say the pledge to the flag? I can try. All right. Go ahead, Chanel. Freedom mayam obligo with silo kiwitatium, Americae for federatarum, et rei publicae, proquastat, cum libertate, justitiaque omnibus. All right, you got it just about right. I would give that an A on participation. The only thing you left out was one nation under God. Oh, I thought, oh, and uni natione dieu decente. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Indivisible. 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 The only thing you left out was indivisible. Known. Oh, non dividendi. That's it. Now you got it all. You got it all. all. Right. She's doing it, guys. If I were teaching her, <laughs> she'd have an A on participation today. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Feed him. Let's say it, everyone. Ready? Feed him. May him. Wexillo Kiwitatium. Americae. Americae Foyeratarum. Et Rei Publicae. All right, we're getting there, guys. We're getting there. And I think if you guys can get the recordings, and most of you can, you can get this. You'll get it. By the time, you know, a week or two goes by, we'll, we'll get this. We'll get this. We'll get this. Uh, I want to teach you a grace, but I'm not going to teach you your grace until you learn the pledge. So uh, <laughs> so we might have to skip Thanksgiving and go to Christmas to say that grace. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's do it one more time. Ready? I'll say it together. Feed him. I mean, I'm sorry. Wait, wait, um, wait a minute. I got to look at it. Feed him. May I'm obligo. Americae foideratarum et rei publicae proquasta. Uni natione, Deo lucente, non dividendi, cum libertate, justitiaque, omnibus. It sounds awful on Zoom, I know, but we're all making an effort on it. We're all trying to get there. We're all trying. Does anyone have any questions on how to pronounce any of those words? Anyone have any question on any of that? Oh, E-D-E-R-A-T-A-R-U-M. I have a problem with that word. Foideratarum. 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 Yeah, that's a little okay. hard. Foideratarum. It's Mary like Carla's hand is up. Yes, Carla. Yeah, unmute, Carla. Can you, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. Um, one line that I was puzzled about was um, I think you said et rei publicae pro. Quastat, right? Yes. Et rei publicae pro quastat. Yes. That first word, when you sent me the pledge, um, you know, when you sent me a bunch of oral Latin stuff yeah. that I'm doing for that, you wrote ac rei. Did I do that? You know why? Because I have taught in my career two different versions of the pledge. I taught this version, then I didn't like this version. I taught another version, then I decided I didn't like that version, so I went back to this version. And the other version has "ock" instead of "et," and I may have written that in your version. 
It's yes, it's it's F. And the, this that. version we're learning here is the version that the American Classical League uses. And so if you had kids that were in Latin club, that's the version they would learn. Uh, that's the version they would they would say. And is that the only difference? No. No, it's, so, it's all together. Do it's it's ego. The other one goes something like ego exilo unitorum statu americae, acrei publicae quem designat fidelitatem spondeo uninatione subdeo indivisibili cum libertate atque justitia omnibus. So it's a little different. It's yeah, the a only thing that looked different in this one was the ac instead of it. I mean, that's the only thing because I, you know, the others seems to be the same. That word, uh, by the way, that word ach, uh, it, or not ach, yeah. the word que, justitia que. That's a funny word. You put it on the second of two things you want to connect very closely. Like if you want to say salt and pepper, you would say sal piper que. The que, you put it right on the end of the word and it joins the second word to the first word and put an and in there. So it's a kind of a funny word, that que. How do you spell that ach word? A-C. A-C. Oh. Remember, a, you can say A-T-Q-U-E or A-C. It's, it's the same word, aqua or ach. You can <clears throat> okay. use it. Yeah. All right. Well, Thank it's you. your... It's your stupid teacher. Oh, by the way, Carla, I don't think you were here. I said I sent you the notes today on as an attachment, and I think it's a doc file. It's not from Dropbox. So remember last oh, week? That you said, would be great. Because so we'll I'm see if it's any better. See, tell me if it's better. If it's no better, I'll try a text file the next time. Okay. okay. If it's no I better, I'll try a text file. Because the next I'd time. like to have all these and put them in Braille for myself, you know. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Well, you might have to teach this sometime. So I know what you mean. If anybody needs, I, I just put these notes through Braille Blaster so I can always um, send you, but it's just translation. It's using UEB. So I, who knows, but if anybody wants a Braille Blaster is free, but that is the way I've translated them to Braille. Is that a translation program or what? Yeah, Braille. it's free from APH. Um, and yeah, it's people... Some people use it for transcription, but I've just oh. basically used it to put the file in. You, it takes docs. It takes TXT. It takes, I think it even takes HTM. And then you get and it out in what? In BRF? Or, I just or save it, it to BRF. Oh, okay. I save it to, and put it on my display because my orbit doesn't read. When oh, I get my I... Braille yet, then I'll be able to read docs <laughs> as is. But yeah. I've got this uh uh, Mantis Q, and I love it. it. It reads pretty well for these bookshare files, except for Wheelock. It reads everything else very well. All right, basic sentences, and then we're going to do a big vocab review today. Uh, in fact, what I might do, I might, I might, well, I might have to go a little early if my wife, um, if I have to take a doctor's call. So I might do the mythology and I might do the vocab next week. We'll see. Well, let's do these basic sentences real quick that we've been working on. How do we say God loves a cheerful giver? Hilarum Dottorum something. Diligate Deus. Deus. There we go. Hilarum Dottorum Diligate Deus. Hilarum Dottorum Diligate Deus. Hilarum Dottorum Diligate Deus. How about one hand washes another? Manus. 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 Manus, manum, lava. Good. How about a cautious manum, wolf manum, fears yeah. a pitfall? A cautious wolf fears a pitfall. Mm. Cautious, I don't even, met to it. 
Foam lupus. You got it. Countess Metuit Foam lupus. Countess Metuit Foam lupus. How about a, a sick person doesn't seek a talkative doctor? Igare um, is the sick person. Yep. Known quieter digair, medicum eloquentem. Known quieter digair, medicum eloquentem. Okay. How about a single hair? Even a single hair casts its shadow. Etium couple. Etium. Sorry, I'm looking at the notes. <laughs> etium capillus Yep. Habet. Umbram suam. Etiam capillus umbram suam. How about an intemperate sick person makes a doctor cruel? Crudelam et medicum intemperans. I get fuck it. That's it. Crudelam medicum intemperans. I get fuck it. The thing to notice about these sentences as we do them is. What's the subject and what's the direct object? And notice how, how different the Latin word order is. Sometimes they put the subject first. Sometimes they put the object first. Sometimes they, once in a great while, they might even put the verb first. I don't, I don't think any of these they do. But. All right, how about an angry man sees, uh, I'm sorry, the law sees the angry man. The angry man does not see the law. Um, hmm. We did Eratus legem non videt. Good. A thief recognizes a thief and a wolf a wolf. Furem fur. Furem fur cognoscid et lupum lupus. Furem fur cognoscid et lupum lupus. Okay. And a, a fox likes trickery. A wolf likes a lamb. A woman likes praise. Wolpes, wolf, froudem, lupus, agnum, famina, laudem. That's it. Good job. And the last one, uh, <clears throat> night, follow, night pursues day, day pursues night. DM known premit. Um, dies noctem. Yep, dm nox premit dies noctem. Good job. Now the reason we're uh, the reason we're you know using these sentences is that you can use them to see how to work with direct objects and subjects and all that kind of stuff. And that's all we've really done so far is direct objects and subjects and in the singular. But I want to talk a little bit about nouns. Nouns can be divided into five groups. Uh, and we call these groups declensions in Latin. So a noun could be first declension, group one, second declension, group two, third declension, group three, fourth declension, group four, and five declension, group five. And there are very few irregularities. They, they really pretty much belong to one of the five groups. And so if you learn the pattern of those five groups, you got it made. It's like learning what X equals in algebra, pretty much. Um, so the first kind of noun, first declension nouns end in A. 
They end in A in the subject form. The basic form of the word is always the subject form. Whatever, we call that the nominative. And so whatever the subject form of the word is, that's the nominative form. And in this type of noun, it ends in A. And the, the example we had of a noun that ends in A is, anyone remember? Waka. Waka, meaning cow. All right. Yeah. And so if we want to make the accusative, that is the direct object form of that verb, what do we have to do? Wacom. Yeah, yeah. um, yeah. Wacom. That's right. Very Wacom. good. Now, the second declension or group two type nouns end in U.S. They end in U.S. And the ones that we had, uh, we had a couple of them like that. What nouns have we had that end in U.S. in the nominative? Equus. Equus does. Uh, equus. Mm -hmm. And how do, I make the, how do I make the accusative of equus? Put an M, M. Put, it, put an M on it. So equus becomes equum. So if we want to ride a horse, we got to put a U-M on it. If we want the horse to be the subject, we just leave it like it is. Uh, <laughs> any other words we've had ending in U.S.? Connors? Who's Connors in that? Uh, Connors? Like a dog? Or? No, well, it doesn't not, end, that doesn't no. end in U.S. Lupus? That ends in I.S. Lupus? Lupus. Okay, lupus. lupus does. Lupus, <laughs> and what's the accusative? Lupus, yeah. Lupin. Lupin. What else have we had ending in uh, U.S.? Modus. Yes. Well, okay. You are exactly correct. However, unbeknownst to you, there's no way you could have known this. Monus belongs to the fourth declension. Because fourth <laughs> declension nouns also end in U.S. Uh, and there's no way in the world you could have known that. I don't even know if Jane would have remembered that. No. Maybe I, Okay. Oh. And, and by the way, uh, you sent this stuff to me in Dropbox, and I want it sent in an email because uh, I'd like to have the words to the pledge. Okay. Send, tell you what, uh, is that Gloria? No, this is Busey in Pennsylvania. Okay. Send me, uh, send, tell Cindy that okay. you want my information, and she'll send your note to me, and then I'll send okay. you what I sent. Uh, I'll send you an attachment with my notes. Okay. Got okay. it. Yes, indeed. Anyone who wants me to do that, tell Cindy or, you know, send a note to community at acb.org and they will get your information to me so I can do that. Okay. Anyone remember any more U.S. nouns? There are no Agnes. more tricks. Agnes, Agnes, meaning lamb, lamb, lamb. and the accused will be Agnum. Agnum. I, I think. Oh, one more. I remember one more we had. Moose. Which one? Moose. No. Now, that's a good guess, but the trouble with moose is the accusative is murim, so it's, it's third declension. Okay. Uh, you wouldn't know that unless you happen to remember the accusative was that. Uh, but we've had another one. What about taurus? Taurus. Taurus, meaning bull. Uh, now, third declension. Let's talk about third declension. It's the hardest of the declensions because you can't guess what the nominative is going to end in. You know, with first declension, we said A. Second declension, we said U.S. Oh, by the way, most second declension nouns are masculine. Most first declension nouns are feminine. We've had one exception, and that is the word agricola. Remember in the song, agricola canem. Oh, yeah. Agricola means farmer, and farmers in those days were always men, so they make that a masculine one. Second declension, mostly are masculine. We have had 
a neuter second declension noun that you probably don't know about, and that is wexillum. Um, wexillum means flag uh, right. in, in the pledge, but that's the only yeah. neuter noun we've had so far. The rest of them are masculine. Now, third declension can be masculine, feminine, or neuter, and the nominative can end in anything. For example, opus. So awis and opus are third declension. Uh, conus is third declension. Uh, kiwitas is third declension, which ends in as. Dator is third declension. Um, let's see. What else have we had? Phalus. By the way, that word phalus, that means cat. A funny thing happened with that word. When I... I looked it up first. Uh, I knew the word, and I thought it was phalase, phalis, the phalase, nominative, phalem, accusative, F-E-L-E-S. Yeah. But then I looked it up in a book called Conversational Latin, and they listed it as F-E-L-I-S. That's what I thought it was. Okay, so well. I learned it. I learned phalis with an I-S. Okay. Then I looked it up in my Cassell's Latin dictionary, and it says F-E-L-E-S. So I have a feeling that what happened here is that there is an alternate form that sometimes they wrote it as phalase and sometimes they wrote it as phalis. And I have that, I have an idea that's what happened. So it's kind of weird. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. So you can, so if you say phalis or phalase, I'll give you credit for either one it means cat. <laughs> In any case, all these nouns make their objective form by dropping the ES or dropping the first, whatever the, well, whatever the first two letters are, it, it's actually hard. You just have to learn these. You, you really can't give a pattern. The accusative is usually going to be E-M, but other changes may take place. For example, dator, you just add E-M right to the end, datorem. Phalase, you drop the E-S and add E-M, or you drop the S and add M. Um, so you don't quite know how to do it. Moose, moose, it changes to murem. So you just sort of have to learn them. Frows, frows is another one, F-R-A-U-S, meaning praise. It becomes fraudem. Uh, for, meaning feet, it becomes forem. So you have to just kind of learn them. Uh, another one is laus, meaning praise. Did I say frows meant praise? Frows means deceit or trickery. Laus means praise, and it's laudem. Uh, lakes, meaning law, it becomes legem, and so forth. So you just sort of have to learn those. Um, now, as far as the fourth declension, you've only had one, and that's monus, and it becomes monum. Um, and you've had one fifth declension, which is deace, and it becomes dm. So in some of these declensions, the, the best thing to do really is to just learn it as you learn it until you learn the whole pattern, which will be a good while away. Um, any comments or questions on this? I know this is a little bit hard, uh, but if you can just remember, first declension, A, add an M. Second declension, U-S or E-R, and add a U-M. Uh, in the case of concare, you say concrum. In the case of igare, you say igrum. Uh, the rest of them are U.S., take off the U.S. and add U.M. Third declension, you have to learn it. And that's pretty much it. So that's, that's the way it works. Now, the reason that we're going over this is I want to look at a little exercise I made you up at the end of the notes. And this is your homework if you want to do it. 
Uh, we're going to take a sentence and we're going to say, we're going to make that sentence say the opposite, but we're not going to change anything but the ending. Okay. In other words, we're not going to change the word order. We're not going to change anything but the ending. So let's just look at one. Uh, I give you the example. Femina furim widet. Femina furim widet. What does that sentence mean? Femina furim widet. Uh, some woman sees something. The woman sees a thief. A thief. Okay, the woman sees the thief. I want you to say the thief sees the woman, but I don't want you to change anything but the endings. So how would I change that sentence from famina furim with it to say the exact opposite without changing anything but the endings? Feminam fur with it. Yes, feminam fur with it. Feminam fur with it. Let's try one more. What does wolpes lupum metuit mean? Wolpes lupum metuit. The fox is afraid of the wolf. That's it. I want you to change the sentence so it says the wolf is afraid of the fox. Um, wolpem lupus metuit. Yep. Wolpem lupus metuit. Wolpem lupus metuit. Isn't that kind of cool, though? Isn't that kind of cool? Mm -hmm. The way we can change a sentence. We can change a sentence meaning without changing the word order. We can mm -hmm. change the meaning just with making two little changes in the ending. And it changes mm -hmm. the entire meaning. Of it. That's, I don't know. That's what I like about Latin. That's kind of cool. Let's do uh -huh. one more. What does erratus legem widet mean? Erratus legem. Erratus legem widet. Somebody sees the laws. Yep. The angry man sees the, the law. Angry man. I want you to say the law sees the angry man. Lex erratum. Widet. But you're changing the word order. Oh, 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 oh. Um, yes, that's what the basic sentence we did. Uh -huh. Yes, erratum lakes we did. Okay, so if you feel like fooling with these, we got 10 of them. We got uh, eight more of them to do. And they're on the notes. They're on the notes. So if you want, if you want to fool with it, um, you don't have to. And in the notes, by the way, I give you a complete vocabulary review. Um, and uh, next week, I thought we might uh, uh, go over that a little bit more uh next week uh but i don't want to bore you with it today any more than i already have um i want to see what time it is 25 off yeah we i'm going to go ahead and uh, i'm going to go ahead and start talking about mythology right now so you are released from your promise um katie because i'm going to start <laughs> now uh, what I wanted, because we got a lot of little things to do here today, and, and a lot of them are interesting. Um, we're going to talk about the rest of the gods, uh, the Olympian gods, and then we're going to talk about a lot of little lesser gods that some of you may not have even ever heard of. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the underworld. Um, uh, I don't mean, by the oh, way, Al Capone. Cool. I mean, like, where the dead people go. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now. The next goddess we're going to talk about is a goddess that if you didn't take Latin, I doubt you have ever heard of, but you might have heard her name because in English, we still see girls with this name once in a great while. And that is the goddess Hestia is her Greek name. Her Roman name is Vesta. 
Once in a while, you see a lady named Vesta walking around. Not too often. Once in a while. That's an older lady. But anyway, Vesta or Hestia, um, she's Zeus's sister. And she's another one of these virgin goddesses. And she's really, uh, she doesn't really have much of a personality. And she doesn't really have any stories connected with her. But she's goddess of the hearth and home. By the way, what's the hearth? Fireplace. The fireplace. The fireplace. Yeah. It's the part right in front of the fireplace where you get warm and you know cook. Or right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when the when the Greeks had a meal, every meal they had, you know how we say grace or whatever, they would uh, offer a sacrifice to this goddess because they felt that they wouldn't really have a home if it wasn't for the fact that this goddess, you know, helped them. And by the way, the word for fireplace in Latin or the word for hearth is focus, F-O-C-U-S. And that's where we get our word to focus on something because, you know, if you're in your home, you kind of gather around the fireplace, I guess. So if you focus on something, you kind of hone in on that, you know, maybe in the same way. So it's kind of interesting that 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 exists. Each city had a public hearth. So like the city of Baltimore or the city of whatever city you live in would have a public hearth. And the, that public hearth would be tended by six virgins who were called Vestal Virgins. Vestal virgins. And these Vestal Virgins must remain unmarried until they were, let's see, 14, until they were 34. And then after they were 34, if they wanted to, they could get married because the first uh, the first 10 years, they started when they were seven. And the first 10 years, they learned to be a Vestal Virgin. The second 10 years, they actually served as Vestal Virgins. And the third 10 years, they taught the young girls and then they were free. And if but if they disobeyed that virginity rule while they were Vestal Virgins, their punishment was they had to be buried alive. And there's a story about a girl. I cannot think of her name to save my life. And I, I, I cannot think of her name. But anyway, she uh, was accused of having an affair with this guy. And she wanted to prove her innocence. And so she took a sieve and filled it with water at the Tiber River and carried the sieve of water all the way to the Temple of Vesta. And the idea was if the water ran out of the sieve, she was guilty. And if the water stayed in the sieve, she was innocent. And I guess the water stayed in the sieve because she didn't get punished. So, How'd she do? I don't know. Maybe Vesta helped her. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that. Uh, and so uh, that's just a little bit about her. Now, we've done, we've finished the Olympians, by the way, guys. We've done the 12 Olympians. And I think uh, next week we'll probably, or well, whenever we finish this review of all these gods and goddesses, we'll play a little game uh, with all this stuff and just see how everybody does. We'll play like they do on playtime a little bit. All right, let's talk about the God of Love. Everybody knows who he is. What's his name in, in Latin? Everybody knows. If you don't, I'm going to tell Sam Cook on you. Oh, Cupid. Cupid, draw back your bow. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, his, so his Roman name is Cupid. His Greek name, does anyone know? Um, Eros. Eros, and that's where oh, we get our okay. word that's where you get erotic. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's where you get eroticism yep. from. Yep. He is pictured as a little boy 
Sometimes he's pictured as a kind of a serious little kid who gives good gifts to men. But later on in poetry, he becomes the son of Venus. Uh, and he's thought of as kind of a mischievous, naughty kid. And he shoots arrows at you. And if he shoots you with a golden arrow, you fall in love with someone. And if he shoots you with a lead arrow, you hate the person that falls in love with you. And so he's got a lot of power and everybody's kind of afraid of him. Um, sometimes he's shown as blindfolded because obviously sometimes, you know, they say love is blind and they figure he doesn't see who he's shooting. And that's why people get into such weird love affairs because uh, they don't know what they're doing. Um He's got some attendants that go around with him. One is a person named Anteros, who is the avenger of slighted love. Or sometimes that attendant is a person who opposes love for some reason. Also, uh, Himeris, meaning longing. Obviously, when you fall in love, you long for the person that you're in love with. And another person that attends him is a person named Hymen. And Hymen is the, is the god of of the wedding feast. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and the, the, if you, if you get far enough in Latin to read Catullus, <clears throat> you read poems. There's a hymn to Hymen where he sings, he has a, a he sings a hymn to him uh, that they would sing at a wedding. So uh, anyway, that's Cupid, a naughty little kid. And we oh. still, it's funny that we still talk about Cupid to this very day. Uh, you have that song, Cupid, draw back your bow, and you hear it around Valentine's Day, and you hear people talk about Cupid even now. Uh -huh. Hebe. Hebe is a goddess I doubt you've ever heard of. She's a goddess of youth. That's what her name means. She's the daughter of Zeus and Hera, and she is sometimes pictured as cupbearer to the gods, and sometimes the gods are not served by her, but are served by a guy named Ganymede, and we'll talk about him a little more later. He's a, he is a very interesting uh, character. She's married to Hercules, but that's all we know about her. There's no interesting stories connected with her. You all know who Hermes is. What's Hermes known for? Talked about him uh -huh. last week. Isn't he the, the god of the underworld? Kind of? No, not Hermes. That's Pluto. He's or the messenger. 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 Hey, you think oh, of yeah, him. he's the messenger. That's messenger right. of messenger the, god. About the god. With, with the wings. But there's well, a, a Harry Potter character who does all the delivering and stuff called Hermes, that's if you exactly remember this. Right. That's exactly right. Now, there's also a female messenger of the gods. Her name is Iris. Yes. And she's goddess of the rainbow. And she's the messenger, and sometimes she sent, takes messages, and sometimes Hermes takes messages. In the Iliad, which is the earliest work in literature, she is the one taking messages. But by the time uh, other poets write, Hermes is doing it too. Huh. Then we have two bands of sisters who are in Olympus. That is the Muses and the graces. Now the graces are three lovely ladies who dance well and they please the gods just by the way they look so pretty as they dance and so forth. And they even give you their names. I don't think you're going to ever remember these names. Aglaia, which is a rather ugly name for such a beautiful woman. Her name means splendor. Uh, Euphrosyne, which means mirth and Thalia, which means good cheer. And I doubt you'll ever see those names again, unless I play a game with you with them. <laughs> um, 
they are the daughters of Zeus and Eurynome, a woman named Eurynome, and don't ask me who she is. Um, they also have the muses, the nine muses, and these are kind of these are goddesses that inspire literature, that inspire different kinds of literature. They're the daughters of Zeus and Mnemosyne. Mnemosyne spelled M-N-E-M-O-S-Y-N-E. That's where we get Carla, the word Mnemosyne. I can't say it. Mnemonic devices. Anything that's mnemonic is that you can remember. It's it's M. Anyway, it means memory in Greek. It's M N. It's hard to pronounce it. Um, each of these goddesses have their own type of thing that they're that they influence. For example, um, Clio or Cleo is the muse of history, so she inspires anybody that's writing history. Urania is the inspire of anybody writing astronomy. Melpomene is the inspire of anybody writing tragedy. Another girl named Thalia, remember that name meant good cheer, but this is a different Thalia. She is of comedy. She's the muse of comedy. Um, Terpsichore, that's spelled T-E-R-P-S-I-C-H-O-R-E, is the muse of dance. And yeah. you still see this word in English. You still see it if you if you study dance at all. There are Terpsichorean groups, which has to do with dancing. So even today, that word you might still see. Uh, it's, it's kind of a funny word. Calliope. Calliope is the muse of epic poetry. What is a calliope today? A merry-go-round. <laughs> merry-go-round, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Isn't, it's a, isn't it one of those organ things? Yeah, it's, a steam, it's a steam <laughs> organ. A steam and they organ. go, boop, 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 boop. They play that. You know, you always hear them at carnivals and things. Yeah, uh, on a ship. Yeah. Or, or on, oh, okay, or on a ship. The Belle of Louisville. Wasn't that yes, the Belle of Louisville has one. Yeah. Do they really? Does it yeah. really? Well, it would be fun to see one, I'm sure, but they don't sound that pretty. I mean, they sound sort of raucous, no. but that's she's the uh, she's the muse of epic poetry anyway. Erato is, you know, we talked about Eros. Well, here's the same root word, Erato. She writes love poetry, or she inspires love poets. Polyhymnia, which means many hymns, she inspires songs to the gods. And the last one... Uh, is Euterpe of lyric poetry. And so they all have their spheres of influence, you might say. Hmm. And then Zeus has two more attendants that are sort of minor nothings. You don't hear much about them. Themis is one, which means justice, divine justice, righteousness. It's kind of funny that a god that commits so much adultery would have an attendant <laughs> like that, but that's just the way it is. And Dike which means human justice, like treating someone right again. I find it a little funny that he would have them as attendants, but, uh, you know. Uh, and then you also have Nemesis, who lives in heaven. That means righteous anger. And Idos, which means reverence or shame, etc. So uh, we don't really, I don't think you're ever going to see much about these particular, uh, these particular people. Now, let's talk about gods of the underworld. Let's talk a little bit about the underworld. How much? What time is it, by the way? Um, 4.48. Okay, we got time. Now, remember, 
we in our day and age, in our day and age, most people believe, even if they say they're not Christians, they believe this. Most people believe that when you die, if you're good, you go up into the sky somewhere. And if you're bad, you go down into hell, which is under the ground, right? That's what probably most people believe. However, in, in ancient Greece and Rome, they believe that everyone who died, good or bad, went to the underworld. And the underworld was pictured as a land of the dead under the earth. And down in the underworld, there were several compartments where if you were really bad, you went, or if you were just kind of bad, you stayed. And if you were really good, there was a third place you could go. But everybody went down. Now, this changed a little bit because in the Iliad, or in the Odyssey, rather, this underworld you get to by going across the ocean, which you, you, have, to, you have to fall off the earth, go into this ocean that surrounds the earth, and then go down into the underworld from there. Whereas in later poets, there were lakes or caves where you could go to go down into the underworld. And a lot of the, some of these caves were like sulfuric caves, uh, which would seem rather unpleasant. Um, <laughs> the underworld is ruled by Hades or Pluto. Pluto's the Roman name. Hades is the Greek name. And his queen, what's his queen's name? You remember? Um, Persephone, wasn't it? Persephone. Persephone is the Greek one. Proserpina oh, yeah, is the Roman one. Now, the underworld is made up of, there are three regions of the underworld. Tartarus is the basic region. No, I'm sorry, wrong. Erebus is the basic region. That's where everybody goes at first. And then if you're really bad, you go way, 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 way down into the underworld, like twice as far as heaven is above earth. That's how far down it is. And that's a region called Tartarus. And that's where if you're really wicked, you're punished down there. And later on, we'll talk about some of the punishments uh, that you had uh, down there. Um, now, if you're good, if you're like a, a really good person, and you had to be really good, like the son of a god or a hero or something. You went to a place called the Elysian Fields. Oh, but it's still yeah. in the underworld. It's still in the underworld, but it had a sun. It wasn't so dark. It wasn't so black. It looked more like the regular world. Um, and by the way, it's so funny when you hear a description of the Elysian Fields in Virgil. He talks about how if you like to race in chariots they had chariot racing down there if you like to you know fight battles you could have your swords and you could fence and stuff like that if you like to feast you could sit around under a tree and eat food and listen to people play the lyre there is no mention if you liked women what you did i don't know if there were any women down there or not we assume there might have been but it doesn't mention it. it's an all-male paradise it sounds like uh, so I don't know. I can't, I can't tell you uh, about that. Um, now, when you first go down into the underworld, you come to, you, you go down this very black, dark, murky passage with all these scary looking things on the side. And when you get down to the bottom, you come to a river and this river is called the Acheron, which means the river of woe. And this this river dumps into another river called the Cocytus, which means the river of lamentations. Now, you got to go across these rivers. And how do you get across? Well, there's a boat down there run by a ferryman. His name is Karen. It's kind of funny. You pronounce his name like the girl's name, but it's spelled C-H-A-R-O-N. And he's a real ugly, 
he's kind of like an ugly, dirty old man is what he's kind of like. And he'll take you across, but he'll only take you across if you have been buried. If you haven't been buried, you don't get across. And if you have been given the money to pay your passage, everybody, every dead person had a, a coin placed in their mouth because they thought that would pay their passage across the river stick, across the river. And so he would ferry them across the river, uh, you know, several boatloads of them. Now, once you got across the river, your troubles weren't over, however, because right at the very entrance to the underworld, once you got across the river, there was a dog. And he's not a guide dog. He's like a three-headed dog. He's like a three-headed dog. And his name is Cerberus. And he would not bark at all if you went in. He wouldn't do anything to you. By the way, he had snakes on his back, too. So, like, you got this big three-headed dog with snakes on his back, ready to bite you if you didn't. So, he won't do anything as long as you just go in. But if you try to go back out, he'll bark, and he'll keep you from getting out, and his snakes will bristle all up, and, you know, he'll cause you trouble. So, you can't, once you go in there, you can never get back out. And uh, does anyone remember... Uh, what you have to do if you're a hero and you go down to the underworld to sightsee down there or whatever, how do you get back out? So he won't, or how do you, how do you, he won't let living people get in. How do you get in? How do you trick him to let you in? Don't you bribe him with some trees yeah, or you, something? Yes. You, you throw a cake of honey at sure. him and then that cake of honey has drugs in it. And that's where we get the term a sop for Cerberus. A sop is like uh-huh. a cake. So that's where you get that from. Now, once you get in the underworld, you got three guys that can judge you. King Minus, who was a king on earth, a very just king, they say. Radamanthus, who was his brother, and a guy named Eacus. And these guys would judge you, and they would decide whether you went to Tartarus, which was where the really bad people went, whether you just stayed in the underworld, which was kind of gloomy, or whether you went to the Elysian Fields. By the way, the Elysian Fields in Paris, there is an avenue, which when they built it, they wanted it to have everything you could possibly ever want in your life on that avenue. And that's why it's called Les Champs-Élysées, which yes. means the Elysian Fields. Jerry, so it's, it's five off. Okay, we're going to get ready to go. And I don't have time to tell you about the rest of the rivers down in the underworld. but We'll pick up with that next time. And I think the next time we might try to play a little mythology game and we'll try to also review your vocab. If you feel like it, try to do those sentences uh, in the uh, notes if you feel like trying to fool with those. Any questions? Yeah, I have a question about yes. the song, um, the Argus song. Yes. It says, Agricola Kanem Habebat Kui, C-U-I, Nomen, Eret Argus. Yes. But then later it says... There's an E-I, okay. Nomen, Eret, Argus. Right. Why is E-I instead of Kui? Okay, because it says there, it, what it says is a farmer had a had dog whose dog. name, whose, whose name, name was, was Argus. So really it says to whom the name was Argus. Right. And then but it that, says A-R-G-U-S, A-R-G-U-S, A-R-G-U-S. Yeah. To him, his name was Argus. That's why. One says a- to whose name when one says his name. So A-E, um, I is guess the that's dative, a dative of Isaiah Id to him. 
That means to him. Oh, remember when okay. you say someone's Nomen. name in Latin, you say the name to him. What? Remember you said quid est tibi nomen. What is the name to you? And you said mm-hmm. to me the name was. So when you ask someone's name in Latin, you say the name to him was Argus. Okay. That's I why. saw and and I was confused. It's a good question. Okay. It shows you're looking at uh, it shows you're looking at the words and observing them. Yeah, I was thinking it meant he, whose name was Argus, and then his the cooey the cooey means Kui, whose whose name and the a e means his, his, but it really his, says to him. Yeah, yeah. cooey says to who. To whom? Yes. Yeah, and that's by the way a very similar way that they do in Russian to say someone's name. Uh, they they do. So you get the Spanish cuyo whose you know the yep. relative ta- clause relator cuyo cuya cuyos cuyas. I didn't know that. I didn't know that Spanish yeah. word. I didn't know that. I knew my linguistical Latin would come very in good. somewhere. Very good. Very good. That's why all those preterites in Spanish are weird, by the way. Like puse and yes, yes, and uh, all those. It's because of Latin. It's because it's of the Latin. Latin. Mm-hmm. Other qu- any other questions on this? Are you guys following this? Or is there anything you want me to do I'm not doing? No, when this we do, is when we do really enjoy it. Like, um, you know, um, some of the, the grace and things. Is there a way that you could send that in advance so we can, ha- you know, instead of because sometimes we get things. You mean the notes or a recording? Yeah, um, the, yeah the notes, you know. So oh, yeah. You have it in, yeah. in fact, I'll, I'll try this week. I will try this week to send some of the trouble is I don't exactly know what I'm doing until the day I do it. You know what I mean? Uh, And so, but I will try to, um, I sort of know what I'm going to do next week. We're going to do a lot of the same stuff as in these notes because we didn't get finished everything. Uh, And so, but I'll try to send you that. And I can also send you guys that send me your, uh, you know, your, your information, I can send you a little tiny recording of just whatever it is I want to teach you, like the grace. Oh, or the yeah. Pledge. So you can, you're welcome. Yeah. To do that. You've got my contact. Okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and send the lesson you. three recording to me. And I was wondering, I need a review just on the construction of those, la- those sentences. I will go back through the other notes because I have all the notes you've given me. You so. mean like what the accusative is? In the yeah. Meaning, and the- how to, yeah. The, how to construct the sentences, you know, Okay. So, but I'll go back through my notes and, and, you know, uh, you already have an A for the day. So now you did your uh, uh, pledge so well. So you're already ahead of the game. Uh, A list or a table that shows all the, you know, the gods and things so that we can see that anywhere. Yeah, I can even do that probably. Well, what I want to do first, before I do that, I want to use that same table that I would give you to play a game with you guys. So then I'll give you the table of it though. I can easily. Well, do hopefully, that. you'll feel okay in the next few days. Yeah, I uh, nine heads feeling uh, kind of cold symptomy, like fluey. Yeah, you know? well, that's not good. So, that's well, take uh, care of you. Stays and wait. It's waited several thousand years. You know, it can, it can, it can wait some <laughs> more. Will you get better? Yeah, but I might not be around for it to catch up with me. I might, I might be gone. So. But you're only sixteen, Gary. Oh yeah, that's true. I know. I forgot. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, was someone saying something? I said vitamin C. What did she say? Vitamin C. Oh, vitamin C. Oh, thank you. Yes, my wife has my wife has stocked up on vitamin C. Yes, she has. So good. All right, I'll talk to you. I guess it's about four or uh, five. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week and I'll send stuff out yeah, to thank you. Thank you. those of you that I have stuff. Thanks. See y'all later. Bye.